Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice, but now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Potential Podcast with me, your host, Taylor Sokol, and as me, my trusty sidekick and co-host with the most chris doer what's up chris how are you doing doing pretty good doing pretty good another fine summer day over here back in california california Um, hey man we had a kind of interesting morning it was a bit like a a foggy town looking situation it was kind of a little gray i almost felt like uh, maybe we actually get some rain today oh fine then the sun came out and now we're back to like 100 degrees heat yeah Um, but i'm excited because next week 
going down to San Diego area with my parents for a few days, a little beach house. So nice. So temperature is going to be much house. nicer. It'll yes. be nice. Yeah. Again, it was so fun to come visit you. We had a really good time and now a little, little, you know, just to get out of the house. I mean, how, how are you feeling with this? You know, we're, we're, we're now like entering month four or five of quarantine and with no yeah. end in sight. Well, I think even, yeah, it's, it's getting even maybe almost six months, I think, you know, cause this all really started March, uh, mid March, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing okay. I think the main thing is, is just keeping positive. I think there's a lot of people that within the two months were like, all right, I've had enough. I'm done. But I think the nice thing is just, I'm, I'm been just keeping positive, keeping busy. And I think that's, you know, something we've been trying to stress to everyone listening. It's just, you know, making the most of the situation. I mean, in, anything in life, you know, it's not great. I mean, the tough thing, I think for a lot of people that we know, there's a lot of people in entertainment are trying to figure out ways to, you know, keep busy. And, and there's that, that, that longing of, um, first of all, doing normal things and going out and socializing, but seeing live mm-hmm. productions and things like that. So there's that thing, but you know what? This is the reality. We're just making the most of it. But I mean, the nice thing is right now, um, you know, nothing, nothing crazy going on um, in my world, but you know, the gardening's still going well. Um, you know, as, if, as if the, the wind doesn't knock it down. Yeah. I know. No. <laughs> like as you saw, um, but uh, I, I got uh, all my banana peppers are out, my tomatoes, um, so very nice, very exciting. And then, um, nothing major coming up in the works, but my, uh, my cousin is getting married in October. So that's coming up. That's oh, the next, very nice. Congrats. The next, yeah. Next big yes. thing. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. So that'll be fun. I was invited. So that's always a good sign. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, I'm not going, but, uh, excited. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you did bring up a good point though, because of our unique situation this year has, has given us, uh, for, for better or for worse. Um, we, we have a lot of time in our hands and what is something that a lot of people use to not only waste time, but to enjoy their time is to watch TV. I mean, in today's world with streaming between Netflix, Hulu, Disney plus HBO max, you know, all these different streaming platforms on top of as well, your normal satellite or cable TV, and then your good old fashioned DVDs you know, your options are endless. And I think after a while, some people, you know, apart from watching their TV shows or their films and stuff, they like to watch documentaries. I think documentaries have always been a unique source to learn more about certain subjects or more about the planet or more about cultures. You know, some documentaries are, are just fascinating the way that they're, the, you know, the information is told, how it's filmed. But there's a specific type of documentary that I think has really had a boom in the last probably five years, especially due to platforms like Netflix and Hulu, and that is crime documentaries. Yes, that is true. I think there is definitely a culture that we have inhabited for quite some time. I think it's become much more um, noticeable because it was streaming platforms. As you say, you can get it all in one lump sum and just binge it and, and soak up the information real quick. You don't have to stay tuned till next week's episode. No, yeah. you, um, a lot of us and us included uh, identify as being obsessed with true crime. You know, there's, there's been a, a thing of, you know, cop dramas and all these, you know, crime shows over the years. But one thing that people 
love more than anything is something that's based on truth because the fact that there is these stories um, of these horrific and, and sometimes diabolical and just weird crimes that have been committed it's almost like it's too good to be true that this could have happened. It's not like some story of a Stephen King novel or something that's like, no, this is a real thing. So I think that yeah. as a nation, I think particularly, I think the U S has been a, has been a big thing, but I think now because of streaming, it's everywhere more. So we're, you know, we're a world of people who binge watching these documentaries and, um, Googling cases nonstop and listening to these podcasts and reading books and mm -hmm. it's just it's just crazy to think that you know we're um, become obsessed uh, with that, and that's why like today we wanted to get, just get into the meat and potatoes of why you know what what yeah why why so is why is this this kind of dark subject so appetizing? I mean, we also do live in a in such a, a world now where news is so quick. You you're you're able to find out about. Uh, you know anything so quickly with the internet yeah. and with social media and it's right at your you know, fingertips like you hear right your fingertips I can, where I can look you know it up right now yeah you look back at some of you know the, the the top crimes of the day and it was all you know yeah it'd be on the news but you have newspaper articles but it wasn't like you had all the information right away and I think these crime documentaries which are always often of course <laughs> they're not done right when the crime happens you know there's always a couple years after yes it is, it's really almost eerie how much footage these these people that really work so hard to put together, uh, whether it's interviews, found footage, you know, uh, often a lot of these, as they do a lot of crime shows like To Catch a Predator and stuff, they'll have like, you know, actors that are similar looking yeah. to the actual people and they'll do kind of like b-roll footage of what it was kind of like yeah, the reenactment. Um, the reenactments. Yeah. Um, Where you're almost, it's real, but it's... Uh, you know, these reenactments make this, the documentary have a whole new feel of like a movie. Like, you know, there it's is almost a, movie like, real, but it's not, but it is. Mm -hmm. And what is interesting, I think that I think in general, we as humans, we have a morbid obsession with the lives of others, mm -hmm. no matter how much we want to say that we, you know, focus on us. I think we all want to know what's going on with everyone else. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And there's also, I think doing, there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's also this, uh, it's a weird kind of thing of, I think everyone has had a moment where you've, you've gotten really angry with someone, you've been really, you know, ticked off. And there's, there's, there's the ever slightest part of you that actually wishes out of maybe some sense of karma that you could do harm to that person to pay them back for what they've done to you. Yes. But of course, the general public. We don't act on that. We don't act on those impulses. That makes us human is that yeah. we, we take those moments we breathe, realize, no, I don't need to do anything. You know, uh, there's no need to get into violence. Violence doesn't solve anything. But there is this fascination of these stories of people that did not have that filter and they did something. And then to watch these documentaries where they completely try to deny it they try to mask it they try to uh and this is where i think documentaries really shine because typically as much as they're trying to showcase all the information without a bias whether to uh the victim or yeah. to you know the person's been uh, under arrest or convicted 
that sometimes it really does mess with your interpretation um, of what's right. You know, and of what you, you almost sometimes will watch, you know, cause some of these documentaries are not like an hour, two hour long. Sometimes they're like 16 episodes, hour long yes. episodes. So you're getting a lot of footage, a lot of material to digest. And it, it's, it's weird. You can watch the most gory graphic horror film in the cinema and it will not nearly creep you out as much as watching one of these because for some reason you understand that that's fiction, but this actually happened to someone. This is real. Well, and life. these are people yeah. that are doing things we can't imagine. And I think um, that it, it is crazy because then you're just watching. And here's another thing that's interesting is um, uh, all these documentaries about some much more famous um, or excuse me, say infamous people you see this journey that these people were just like every other person, mm-hmm. you know, the humble beginnings or even not so humble beginnings. And some seem like have such a normal lifestyle. And it's like, it almost aside from just seeing the documentary, what it is like, wow, the fascinating tale of this horrific murderer or this, you know, the psychotic person, you know, it, it, it really gets you reeling after you watch it. Like this could be anyone. It could be an average Joe or average Gene for that matter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there we go again. Yeah. But well, uh, I'll start off with that by saying um, I, I'm a little obsessed with uh, uh, the idea of kind of a sealer killer. There's something uh, to, you know, like such in like the Zodiac killer, yeah. uh, the Golden Gate killer. Um, but one, I'm going to start off here with, um, we have, conversations with the killer the ted bundy tapes yes which, um was a, a it was like a four-hour special that's available on netflix written directed by joe berlinger and it's all like you know composed of over hours and hours and hours of either found footage interviews interviews of some of the people involved with ted bundy still alive today um actual footage of him yeah. footage of the trial you know it's it's really amazing and this was, together and this is great because just to jump in there this is mm-hmm. released right before zach efron's, zach efron's uh which incredible uh, extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile which if you have not seen it big uh, props. Say it's yeah. good i think yeah. the movie was good because he does look like ted bundy and he fits it but the documentary is actually really creepy because that was, I think, one of the first times that the world was introduced to someone that was so charming yes. and so likable. And you were like, this guy has brutally, you know, attacked and killed dozens of women. It's mm-hmm. just like, it's it, like, you know. And it was the perfect length because, I mean, it was a, it's a four-part miniseries. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't overtly long, but... Um, I mean, just the amount, the hours of interviews from, from Bundy itself, himself, that you are just like, you're hanging on every word mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my, this is nuts. And this is, and it's like, the sick thing is you realize how he was able to lure all these women and, and, and such, because he is this enigmatic, charismatic guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was just like, you know, giving him this platform. I mean, it's kind of scary because you were giving him that platform, but it does really... Uh, for people who are the uninitiated, it really gives you the whole, a, a better picture of, you know, why he got away with it, what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, that's another, you, you make a good point is sometimes these, they become such big profile cases that it gets a lot of media attention mm-hmm. and he had a lot of media attention. So even though it's, you know, very dark deeds he's doing, there's people out there that are in love with the idea of Ted Bundy. 
It's it's a sick, weird, and, and that happens a lot with crime. I mean, uh, we will never understand. That's the scary thing, though. You you watch these to understand these people, but you don't. You'll never understand that. And, oh yeah, and that's what I think. That's and that's oh, and then you're saying yeah. There's these people here that are okay. We're talking about obsessed with true, true crime. These people are obsessed with these people. They become these rabid fans. Like they uh-huh. have these fangirls and fanboys, and it's it's really messed up because it's like, how are you rooting for these people? You know, what I mean, it's it's a it's a slight tangent, but you'll see why it makes sense for this. Uh, just rewatching The Office, and there's the episode where Creed's coming up to Jim, and he's like, "You want some advice, like in how to get a woman?" And he says, I'll tell you how I got squeaky from. And I was like, oh my gosh, of course Creed would bring up, you know, Charles Manson's like, <laughs> like girlfriend essentially. But that's another thing like that, you know, look at the Manson murders. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I've seen that I can think of any documentary. Uh, no, I, lately. I, with, with him, it was a lot of like, I think there is one available, but um, you know, recently, of course he was highlighted in once upon a time in Hollywood. And then also in, uh, Mindhunter is that the name of that show? Um, on yeah, Netflix, my, yeah, Netflix, yeah. So they because they um, because that was the humble beginnings of the uh, of like what serial killers are right, which yeah. is I mean, you know slightly fictionalized version of the truth. But again, you know, she was part of a cult that followed this man blindly. She you know saw him as a god. She saw him, and and then you know, of course, a lot of dark deeds happened. But you know, not all these uh, are, are murder-based. Um, one I actually thought was uh, really, it's its dark because it's creepy, but it's also one of those where you go, okay, after you watch it, you kind of go, I think these parents are incredibly stupid. Like, yeah. what, like and uh, this is one called Abducted in Plain, Slight, uh, Plain Sight. Yes. Uh, again, on Netflix. Netflix has the majority of these crime documentaries. We're not getting paid today. by them, but you know, no, they, no. They, they're definitely capitalizing. Uh, on this. But this is a film. It's about a 90-minute film documentary, and it tells a story, of true story, of Jan Felt, who she was living in Idaho. She's like a teenager, and mm-hmm. the neighbor of this family, Robert Birch told, just over the time of a few months to, you know, and this is in the 1970s, he, he baited her and he essentially kidnapped her on two different occasions. But the thing was he, he got her on his side, almost to the point of like uh, a loving situation. And again, he's Stockholm syndrome. And again, he's an older man, you know, uh, I think at the time he's probably in his thirties or maybe forties. I don't remember exactly. Um, but she's like a teenager, like a young teenager. And the parents were like, so, you know, it's just probably like a, you know, middle to lower class white Idaho farm area in the 1970s. They probably didn't think about people are untrustworthy, you know, no, exactly. the doors are not locked, you know, it's, it's a different time, but this guy slowly, but surely was like, you know, luring their daughter to the point of, you know, sexual acts and other things. And, you know, just to think like how messed up it was, but there's just points in the documentary that creeped me out because it's like, as much as this guy is doing some really terrible things to bait this young girl, the fact that the parents were so blind to it and they were like, Oh, you want to sleep over at his house? Sure. Like they had no, you know, and, and with you, you see them in interviews now and you can see it in their face. You can see it that they, understood that what they the choices they 
made led to this, you know, huge problem. But it's a very interesting one to watch if you, you know, it's only 90 minutes, but it's, it's, it's a dark one for sure. If you're talking and then talking about, you know, different times and stuff like that. Now, this is one of the, um, one of the most unique true crime, you know, series that actually far back as the late nineties. And that was the cold case files. Mm. And what I thought was interesting of that, and they had a show called cold case, but um, cold case files, it was one of, this was like literally like the grandfather of true crime. So, mm-hmm. because it was so interesting because as crimes have happened, unfortunately for years uh, to come and murders and all these things, technology has become a better a tool to help catch these people with science and technology. It's been, it's been great because it's able to use all sorts of, you know, surveillance and of course, DNA and mm-hmm. cold case. They're able to reopen these cases and, and find these killers that have been maybe, you know, never found for, you know, 20, 30, you know, 40 years. And it's so, it's so crazy because, and now uh, I know Netflix uh, was doing, did a reboot of the series as well. Um, and of course it was hosted by Danny Glover, you know, Oh, did Danny Glover here? Uh, <laughs> but it was just what I like with, well, one thing about it, the reenactment scenes were ridiculous and goofy, but I like the idea of the cold case files. Cause it was like, you know, opening up the, you know, the whole kind of trope of opening up the cases again, but the fact that these were real cases that they were cracking up again and like, Hey, mm-hmm. now we have this technology or new leads have opened up um, yeah. to do that. And then, Another spin I want to take, you know, where, you know, they're not just, you know, focus on killers or, you know, um, abductions or, you know, cold case files. One thing is interesting because this has become um, such a, you know, glorified thing in fiction and books. But, you know, this is a true thing that they actually had a series on Netflix um, called Fear City. And it was uh, the Mafia versus New York City. And this was focusing oh. on the actual five families of crime. Um, of crime and you know um that you know like you know you always hear that like the godfather and stuff that the five families the five families are a real um group of you know taylor, you taylor know. what's the netflix passcode i want to watch <laughs> the documentary oh, this, is a, this is a good time you know uh and it was really interesting because this was all between the 70s and 80s of how the fbi and how you know the government was going to try to take down the mob and wow just to think like the mafia like how they are so strong ties of, you know, legitimate businesses and, and things like that with such a complicated inner working of, you know, the fact that organized crime to this day is still such a fascination for people. You know, it, it's just, a, I think because yeah. of it, it's, it's a glory, the glory of it, like that the, they're getting away with it. They're just like, you know, criminal businessmen. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about the 1920s and thirties, when you had, you know, the bank robbers at that time, like John Dillinger, these guys were yep. outlaws, but they were so dramatized because, you know, they were, they weren't, you know, killing for sport. They were robbing to, you know, help other people or, for, you know, cause they were kind of sticking it to the man mm-hmm. uh, before yeah. sticking to the man was the thing. <laughs> but True. It's so it's like that, that it doesn't get you so fascinated in learning about these things. And I've always had a fascination with organized crime with the mafia and things like that. Like that's always been, well, speaking of organized crime, this is uh, uh, probably the the latest one I've seen uh, that I can think of. Um, I think it's still available through Hulu. Um, I watched it on Hulu. It, it's originally from HBO, but I think Hulu had a thing going on for a while. You could watch it through Hulu. If not, it's on HBO. 
Mm-hmm. But it's called Mick Millions. And this was a documentary about the real story of when Jerry Jacobson, between the years of like 1989 to about 2000, 2001, he had rigged the Monopoly game for McDonald's and he stole millions of dollars. And you learn through the documentary that it was all this like organized crime ring and he was like the head of the snake. So wow. he had ties into some like of the mob. He had ties into some like, and he would, he would basically, you, you find out that he was a security person for the security firm that was responsible for transporting the winning pieces to different parts of the country. And it was uh-huh. all, you know, very like, you know, yeah, he would yeah. have a he would have a briefcase locked to his get the little handcuff everything. You know, like yeah. to, you know, and when he and again one of these stupid silly mistakes because of the time era of not really thinking things through, he would go in the bathroom, um, and the person that's supposed to be with him would be outside, and he would open the briefcase and he would put in fake pieces and take the ones out and he had tape he had everything all planned. Wow. So he did this for years where he would bait people in by saying you know I'm gonna give you the winning pieces. You're going to give me this much of your winnings. And then, you know, and it was all, and it was crazy how you can see the documentary, this idea that a lot of the same people that were either related through family or in similar areas were all starting to win. Yeah. And to see the cops have to kind of go through this process of doing their best to, you know, what, how can I solve this crime? At that time, they only had so many things they can do. That's yeah. what's always interesting about these crimes is that it's not magic. It's not like they just automatically solve them, you know. Well, no, you watch all these, all, time, all the yeah. dramatized, you know, shows, CSI, you know, they solve the crime, you know, in, in you know, an hour. <laughs> it's like, it mm-hmm. doesn't work like that. And in some of these, you know, there's no nicely wrapped bow. It's mm-hmm. the fact that they've, that, and that's that you bring up another great thing about these documentaries and true crime is that it gives us a rare glimpse into the criminal justice system that it's not it's it's been so overly dramatized uh back you know the sheriff in town oh got the bad guy mm-hmm. done no paperwork okay and then you know you watch all these other shows like law and order which i think law and order did a decent job of you know kind of you know balancing that out but i think uh we as a society we don't really know so much we have no idea the inner workings of the criminal justice system how there is so much red tape and little things that um for even the smallest crime to serious offenses that you know uh i mean people we go through our whole lives entire lives maybe being asked to be part of a jury or maybe never being a part of a jury um so and like you know that's like one thing oh i've helped my you know if you know you've never if you're not in law enforcement or not if you are my hat's off to you. Yeah. You know, whether you are, you know, you know, a judge or a police officer, or you're the person in the courtroom, uh, what's, what's this, the scribe? Is it called the scribe when they're, you know, putting in the, the notes transcri- transcribe? Uh, uh, I know, I know you're thinking about it. I can't you know, you know, but anyway, it's like the, the amount of work that goes into building cases or investigating stuff like that, the lawyers and everything like that, you know, the great thing about these documentaries is they give that rare ability to show this hidden world that we have no idea. We just, you know, Oh, jury duty or, Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. We, we don't really understand that it, it takes a lot of work to solve these crimes. And especially a lot of these that are documentaries, you know, are built on are very, as we say, unique cases or they're very rare. It's not like, you know, day to day crime. It's sometimes mm-hmm. over months and spans of years. So, 
When we come back, we're going to talk more about some of our favorite crime documentaries we've seen and more about the idea of how a documentary can shed light on crimes of the past. The following program is based on true events. Viewer discretion is advised. In the sleepy town of Wabash, Indiana, there lies a dark presence, a shroud of mystery that has yet to be solved. The year is 2011, and our story begins at a Payless show store like any other. Between the closing hours of Monday, February 14th, and the opening hours of Tuesday, February 15th, 1,100 pairs of shoelaces were stolen. The manager, Taylor Maid, was shocked to his core. It really is a mystery. First off, I don't know how anyone could get in. The whole building is locked up each night. But what's truly terrifying, and, uh... <laughs> sorry, it's just... It's still really hard to express. Just how someone could have done that to all those shoes. I just hope they'll survive the relacing process. Luckily, video surveillance at the shopping center caught a brief shadowy image breaking into the back door. A witness describes what he heard while closing up his own shop two buildings over. Well, it was late. I worked a little overtime for those late Valentine's Day shoppers. That's when I heard a couple loud bangs, like someone was trying to smash into a door. By the time I got over there to check it out, there was no one there. Just a few laces by the back door. I tell you, I couldn't sleep all night. Checking all available databases at their disposal, local authorities could only pinpoint one suspect, Robin Yu who had been arrested prior on four separate accounts of shoe theft. His own neighbor of 15 years, Sam, tells us more. Yeah, I lived next to Robin for a long time. He was always very quiet, very polite. Occasionally we played cards. But then I would notice funny things. Different shoe prints around the house, especially in the snow. A lot of shoe boxes out on the street on garbage day. One day I felt I should go talk to the police. But when I got out to my front porch, there was a note hanging from a couple of shoelaces. I didn't leave my house for six months because of that. Now, Robin could have been behind this latest crime. Problem is, Robin hasn't been seen in this town for over five years. A cold, wintry night. 1,100 shoelaces. Missing. The only suspect, a mere memory a returned reality. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Robin Yu or about the Payless shoe theft, please contact 1-800-UNSOLVED. Thank you, and good night. And we're back. Yes, we are. Wow, what, what, a, what an interesting uh, take on yeah, that That one. sounds dark. I don't know if I can watch that one. I, I think I have to watch. It's going to be during the day. I can't. It's be during the day. Time. A little bit of ice cream, Probably or like something. noon oh. with lunch. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, it's we're so excited to come back. I know we briefly touched on this uh, about our favorites, um, and uh, but I want to I want to go back real quick and to say you know why again I think society is interested so much in true crime. I do think though a big part of it is it's a safe way for us to explore these dark topics. 
Mm, because yeah. it's, I think society, you know, there is, like you said before, we have, you know, we're human. To err is to human, to have dark negative thoughts, you know, uh, thinking things and acting, you know, two different things, obviously. But, you know, you want to have these discussions. And I think it's great because people like you and I, or our friends and family, we can watch these documentaries and we can kind of, it's a weird word to say bond over them. Like, hey, how about the killer? No, it's like, you know, it's something for you to discuss in a, in a very comfortable setting because you're like, it's on TV. It is true, but it's dramatized in a way that we can talk about it safely, that it's not weird or anything. Well, yeah, like it opens up a, a dialogue about, okay, well, look at the the building blocks because a lot of times it's 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 usually the case that a lot of these people that commit these crimes you see these building blocks. You see this road that builds up to why they're the way they are. Yeah. Some people are just naturally evil. It's just, you know, as, as we believe there are just as many uh, amazingly good people in this world, mm-hmm. there's also uh, a lot of dark, scary people in this world. So, you know, I think there's, there's something about that as well. Is I think, you know, with everyone living their day-to-day life, you know, I, I get up. I go to work, I do my work, I come home, I have dinner, I watch a little TV, I go to bed, I try to make enough money, I try to, you know, you know, there's a lot of things that can get you down. And for some people, they just get down too much. And yeah. it can lead to, I mean, I know it's, it's, some people agree, disagree, but I think the whole idea of like the Joker film, it's, it's a cautionary tale. I mean, he's this very special case, you know, he's got a lot of problems and, yeah. you know, but it's kind of those like, you know, you see how the building blocks lead to mm-hmm. him becoming the this kind of crime lord that he becomes, you know. So yes. I think uh, one, for example, though, that as the whole documentary goes along, this this guy just continually keeps denying he keeps uh, he's probably, you know, by far a great actor. I'll say that much. But one I, I saw a couple years ago that really still stuck with me. And I think. I believe I remember reading that there might be a, a process of a film version being made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a documentary called The Staircase. Okay. It's on Netflix. It was originally set in French, but it, it's it's all English language. Um, by I'm probably going to butcher this, but Jean Javier de Lestrade. That's uh, that's probably as best I can say. But it's about the true trial and conviction of this novelist Michael Peterson, who. Uh, was convicted of killing his wife Kathleen via pushing her down the stairs. Okay. So what his claim was is that they had a little uh, a drinking night at their house. Uh, she had a little one too many, went up the stairs, and she slipped back, fell, hit like the back of her head, and then you know he found her and called the ambulance and everything. And then you know the the opposite side was that no, he bludgeoned her to death put her in a position to look like she fell down the stairs. Yeah. And so you kind of get this back and forth of like, well, it's a possibility. I mean, they had a, their staircase and what's crazy is through the, through the whole thing is, I mean, these prosecutors and these, these people that are investigating, they're looking at every single angle of the staircase. Yeah. Testing dummies, testing like, okay, body weight. If it fell this way, there's all these factors they'd play in, but it, you know, as, as you watch him, this, this novelist deny everything. It's like he he's denying everything. He keeps uh, in court and everything. He keeps pushing that no, I did not do it. He's you know, he's. It's one of those where you kind of the way that the documentary unfolds is you're kind of like, 
okay, if he really did do this, he's he's continually just trying to deny that he didn't do this crime. Like he he just can't he can't accept the idea of yeah. guilty. You've, and the crazy thing is, you find out in the documentary that years earlier in Germany, he was involved with a crime similar, where I think it was his girlfriend at the time or whatever. Circumstances uh, were weird. Also fell and was yeah. and died of a hemorrhage from falling down a flight of stairs. What do you know? So it's kind of like one of those like, not looking good for you, buddy. Yeah, the staircase <laughs> so killer here. In the end, he kind of had to take, he took like a plea bargain. It was like, if you just say that you did it, we'll let you be um, a house, uh, what, what they call it when you have to stay at the house? House arrest. Uh, house arrest. Yeah. So, you know, he went to prison for a few years and he, you know, of course, did not do very well there. And so, and the thing is, he just, he would never admit that he did it. So he kind of had to do like a plea bargain situation just to yeah. be at home. Um, but it's a fascinating series because it's, I mean, it's a weird crime, you know, by, by sure, but there's some things in there that I'm not going to say in here that I think uh, the listeners need to check out because watching him yeah. through that is really interesting. Well, I haven't seen that, so I'm going to have to check it out. But it's talking good. about people like with contradictory stories and, and such, this is an interesting series. Do you remember uh, watching or hearing about I Am a Killer? Uh, I didn't see it, but I remember hearing about so, it. So, yeah. So basically, the premise, if you haven't watched this, I'm not giving away anything. It's, in, it's interviews with people in prison, especially those on death row. Like they've mm-hmm. already been... You know, you've already kind of all the pop and circumstance of, of the investigation, everything's done. This is like pretty much um, they're on there towards the end of their sentence or anything like that. So, I mean, the idea of like having that, that doesn't seem like that would be a recipe for great television because it's like, I, I don't want to see this. But this is a very it was a really good opportunity for, I guess, people to really, I guess, question everything and i think that's one of the things that you've noticed in the theme of our conversation today it makes you question mm-hmm. everything not just this the nature of the case the killers but you yourself put in that position or what you think is you know what right and just and so i mean this this show the the interviewers are obviously they're confronting the subjects and they're going back into what they did so it's that the cathartic experience but also they're contradicting you know oh this evidence was presented and they're just like you know whatever mm. um but it's very they're very nuanced and, and complex episodes and i think that you know they remind um you know what i think was great about it is it not just it, it doesn't just show you that there's two sides um that get affected you know the killer or the accused and then those that they killed or something like that um, it's the, the everyone around the whole case. I mean, people who investigated the case, the families, but it's just, it's very like, it's just like a, you know, something you can't, you can't look away and you mm-hmm. look back and like, I can't believe I was, but I mean, there's no other way that I think people would ever have that experience. And I think it is, it, I think it is a beneficial experience because it, it does make you question things and it makes you go, there's a lot that we don't think about and that we yeah. know there's right and wrong. And then, when you're in that position, it's a totally different thing to, to observe it from the outside. Well, I'll tell you the, the ultimate documentary that continually made me question everything. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't ultimately uh, side with uh, the victim, if you will, uh, was uh, making a murderer. Uh, yeah. This is a Netflix series. Probably the, this is probably the first crime documentary that I have seen that really kind of got me hooked. I mean, I've, I've really been into them the last four or five years, 
but this one is on Netflix. It now has a part two that I've actually not gotten into yet, but part one, uh, I think it's like 16 episodes. It's also a lot already. Yeah. Just, just the first part. These are all like, you know, 45 minute to an hour episodes, but it talks about Stephen Avery, who is a kind of a, you know, kind of just simple minded kind of, you know, mechanic kind of like guy, you know, just, and uh, this is up in uh, Wisconsin and he was convicted, uh, accused and convicted of sexual assault and attempted murder of this girl. And after about 18 years in prison, it was proven that that was wrong, that he was wrongfully accused. So he spent 18 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. Uh-huh. He gets released. And not even like a few years later, he then is charged and two years later committed for the murder of Teresa Halbeck. And it's one of those where the whole thing is like, okay, they're out in Wisconsin. It's a lot of farmland. It's a lot of like, you know, the place that he lives, it's a huge open kind of like ranch place. And there's a whole like car lot for like, you know, scrap metal. So there's all these cars in there. And at one point they found Teresa's car her body, some blood, you know, and so that you know the 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 documentary continually makes you think the police set him up. Mm-hmm. And it keeps backing because he was set up for the first crime that he didn't commit for 18 years. Um so it's it, it was interesting because I remember watching the whole thing and just the way it's presented, the way it makes you the listener think, the way it makes you view the crime view Stephen Avery. And there's also, um, I think it's his nephew, Brendan is a kind of part of that, uh, which is, I think a big part of what part two is that, you know, there's a new, a new person's coming on to help him with his case and try to yeah. reopen things. Cause you know, again, as time goes on, tests get better, more thorough, but it was interesting. Cause I remember like posting something like after I watched it, like I was like, wow, I think Stephen was set up. And I had a friend who was like, are you blind? No, he completely murdered that woman. And I was like, interesting, because that's not how I viewed the documentary. But I mean, yeah. sometimes it leaves you to that. I mean, of course, yeah. the law is a law. He was exactly. convicted. He's still in jail now. I don't think he's been released on anything. So he'll probably serve, you know, be in there for us his life for all I know. But I, I'd, be, I'd be intrigued to go back and watch part two. But there's a lot of things though that's even if it's like fully believed that he did this crime and he deserves where he needs to be, it's like shady with like DNA testers and blood testers. There's some shadiness with like uh, the um, the state attorney that's like doing you know against his case. There's some shadiness of the police, and mm-hmm. yeah. it kind of makes you go like, even if Stephen Avery did do this, there's still a huge there's some kinks in this in the justice system. And this of yeah. course is something that right now, you know, with the black lives matter movement, this is something that, you know, people have been fighting about for years and years and years. And we're still yes. seeing that showcased. Um, but it's a very good documentary. I think it's one that it, it was, it, it's again, it's a little creepier cause it's, it's real. It's something you're like, Oh, this actually, you know, yeah happened and it's stuff that's still i I think it's fun to when you see all these documentaries Mm -hmm. you can google the person and see where are they now what's going on if the case has been reopened you know and but you know 
we're looking at this new age of, as we said, we have new technology and um, you brought up cold case files, kind of a fun reboot that just happened on Netflix. That's going to have more episodes coming out later this year was unresolved mysteries. Yes. Which I don't, I don't really remember watching unresolved mysteries when it was originally on. It's had, I think two different periods of time that's it's been in a run. Well, I think we were, they were, we were pretty young when that came out on Netflix. I do remember the guy, you know, in the mysterious fog and sitting on his car. Yes, yes. They hosted that. Yeah. <laughs> um, she was sitting in a car and then she came over and she got a Snickers bar. Um, yeah. Uh, but it's interesting because I watched the six episodes. Uh, that's what they've released so far on Netflix with this yeah. new revamped version. And uh, five of the six are what you expect. They're kind of like uh, a murder case where there's not all the facts or a disappearance or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And then one's a, a alien abduction uh, situation, which yeah. those to me, it always cracks me up because then they have to do like, like you said, the reenactments uh, with these like other actors. And it always just looks kind of funny to me because usually it's like them on a road and they just have like a big beam of light coming towards them. Like they're being, you know, uh, taken up to the alien ship. But some of these, some of these murders though, it's, it's, it is one of those things where, if a body's been moved, if, uh, you know, if, it, if it's hidden well enough, all this stuff, it's, it really, you know, especially I always think about these, you see it all the time in movies, there'll be like a crime and it, it'll, you know, out in the forest. And I think like, how long could it take? It could take forever to go through a whole forest, even with dogs, even with all the tools yeah. to maybe find a body. I mean, it's gotta be so much work. Um, well, I still think I would love to see a documentary trying to figure out if they ever find where Jimmy Hoffa went. We don't know. <laughs> True. Jimmy there's, Hoffa. There's so, there's so many mysteries out there. Um, I think we can kind of touch on this just because it's been so recent. Um, you know, talk about, yeah, talk about. Uh, the, the bell of the ball, if you will, for the, documentaries lately. <laughs> yes, I think it became much more popular because of quarantine. And this was something that everyone was talking about. And still people are thinking about. But of course, that would be have to be Tiger King. And uh, what an infamous yes. tale that has been. Um, because it's also very within our within our lifetime. It's it's not yeah it's uh, not it's not that long ago. No, it touches some elements of Joe Exotic's earlier life, um, but a lot of what the main part about it is only really the last decade or so. It's not um, it's not like it was six years ago, but yeah, what 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 a thing to become such a pop culture icon because. Um, you know, Joe Exotic is this over-the-top kind of character. I mean, he's uh, he, who would ever think to see a gay Southern tiger, you know, wrangling, wrangling yeah. you know, country singing uh, schemer. I mean, like yeah. all all the stuff. It's like it was almost like uh, someone like uh, basically. Let's like, combine all these different people and put them all into one. And Adam Mullet, and there's yeah, he, he was a, a collage know. of a person. It was like almost like this is like the creme de la creme of what true crime is all about. Something that's so absurd it couldn't happen, but it is. But it, it's real. The TVs, and we're just like, what the heck is? This? I mean, I, I watched I watched all of Tiger King in one day because I was just so enamored by it. I was like, what is this? And everyone, you know, everyone was talking about it. I showed my parents Tiger King. They got hooked. They've seen it probably two, three times in its entirety now. And the only thing my dad ever says is he's like, it's like you're watching a Christopher Guest movie. 
This is yes. like this is like a new version of Christopher Guest movie because every single person in that For show. Those of you don't know, Christopher Guest, a great filmmaker who created a lot of these farcical. Yeah, movies. he did. You know, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, yeah. uh, 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 A Mighty Wind, and so you know, it it's almost like that because there's so many characters in this show that you're like, that can't be a real guy, or you know, and yet it is, and so. I think what was the disheartening part about Tiger King was because people were so fascinated by him mm-hmm. and this, the kind of, it's a really funny show, but it's also like, you know, each episode gets weirder and weirder. You know, it's like yeah. down the rabbit hole, we keep going that it took away from what the real element of the show is, is that he took to greed more than actually taking care of these animals and he actually yeah didn't have- well, yeah and that 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 documentary it just speaks on so many different levels i mean for in the basis of, of the movie it's glamorizing you know big uh, wild cats in captivity mm-hmm. and that's something that's been an issue in uh, the u.s for sure for such a long time and around the world there's been a market for um you know that people want to have you know oh a tiger as a pet and it's like, you know, these animals aren't being taken care of. And there was that, you know, that glamorization of, you know, profiting off these animals and yeah, taking, taking photos with, with the, the cubs and uh, you know, which of course it's just, it's just sad. And I mean, yes, there's also the element that, you know, he put a freaking uh, a death threat out, you know, he tried to put a hit on Carol. Hi there, cool cats and kittens. It's Carol Baskins. Um, I don't get that Carol Baskin. She's just like you know. God, he he really does hate her. But oh yeah, it's a, it is. It's 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 crazy that that whole you know it just gets weirder as you go when you're like he you know I think I think Joe Exotic was a person that had good intentions when he was young when he when he had that moment where you know yeah. he he tried to commit suicide he he luckily survived and he kind of was brought into wildlife i think he kind of in the beginning i think he had good intentions but we see these building blocks we see uh greed start to take over you know the idea of jealousy of of other zoos um and then also it's just this weird thing that you know uh joe tends to have multiple lovers and often uh he (laughs) gets a lot of straight guys to uh, change teams. And so it's just like, he's yeah, a, he's, he's this weird, a, like, uh, such a, he's like powerful a, character. Yeah. And he just, I mean, you know, not uh, to the, I think the vileness, I mean, in, in different ways. I mean, we're talking about these uh, infamous people, you know, Bundy, you know, and uh, Joe Exotic, that these people, they're, they have this way about them. And some of the most vile and despicable people ever they're great speakers and they know how to just draw a crowd or bring people in and that's the thing is they're they're very image conscious you know yeah he, he has a big thing about his image but you know watching tiger king actually made me think you know because we're huge fans of of this character of of what i'm about to say but um you know the ace ventura films yeah we're, you know we're big jim carrey fans clearly and those movies are really funny but you do get the element that, okay, he does actually care for animals. He loves animals. I think seeing now what it's like now that we're still having this, we're, we're, we're in this time of our life where now we're having arguments about zoos, about wildlife sanctuaries, about 
places like SeaWorld, you know, we didn't have these kind of chats when we were kids, you know, no. it was go see, go see Shamu and it's a fun time. Now we're yeah, seeing like, course. oh, this really isn't the best to do. So no. And they had all these other documentaries talking about like Blackfish and all that Blackfish stuff. Blackfish really, really, really brought to light there. I mean, that's a whole other topic we go on forever, but yeah, it, it just, you just realize there, there, I think we, we are starting, I think the overall thing is we are getting into a culture where the veil is continually being lifted. Mm-hmm. And we have been shielded by a lot of things because we didn't know any better. And now it's like, we're in a time where that's not an excuse anymore. You can't do that. And um, I think, you know, it's, it's good for us to pull the wool over our eyes. It wasn't that we were intentionally ignorant to this stuff, but it's like, this stuff is real. This is happening. And we have to be, you know, ignorance isn't bliss. It's not, it's a, it's a, it's a crutch and it's a detriment to us that we, we're getting really deep in this podcast today, but I love it. But I was was going to say, but no, you make a good point is that it's like, you have to kind of lift things. You have to kind of see the reality to understand, take it in and know how to move on and be better and And see all, and see all sides of it. You need to see all all sides of it. Yeah. But I was gonna, I was just gonna add that. I mean, how funny would it be to see a, an Ace Ventura three where you know Ace goes into these kind of like underground run tiger zoos and he he releases all the you know he saves all the tigers and yeah he's he's he's, he's riding a tiger out and you know and he's like oh they're Joe Exotic you know um nice mullet you know yeah uh, love the stripes um <laughs> You're a kitty cat. no but yeah it's I don't know man it's I think it it'll be it'll be interesting to see what documentaries come because we're, you know, crime is a uh, crime doesn't take a break, unfortunately. No. Uh, and we have a lot more to learn, especially about still these, you know, unresolved crimes or still uh, certain, you know, events that still need more to shed the light on. And yeah, I think it's really cool that there are people out there that, that, that dedicate their art and their time, both as a you know artist and a historian to kind of archive this footage archive this you know and to kind of it because makes it it's a it's educational and i think it's a it's a good cautionary tale for people to kind of learn these stories and and what is it as you said it's a you know they're cultivating and this becomes a part of history but what are these documentaries more than a study of humanity and the mind right. of how we work and how we interact and how we decide to choose to live our lives uh for better or for worse so you're absolutely right and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, I think society, our fascination with true crime is going to continue, if not escalate, um, because that's just, I think, where our society is going, because we have access to everything. It's going to get more and more intensified because yeah. of social media and the technology that we have today. So who knows what's going to happen? But as we said, use this as a, a cautionary tale to um, open your eyes. And not yeah. be afraid of talking about these taboo and dark subjects and realize we got to be better. We got to be, be better. better. So uh, check out those documentaries we talked about today. And then, um, of course, if there's anything that you've seen that you uh, want us to check out, uh, go ahead and leave a comment in one of our posts. Always like to hear your feedback as well. But uh, thanks for listening today. This, this, was a, this was a little darker one, but I think it was still a fun one to talk about. So. Absolutely. So stay tuned for more. And can't wait to see you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more 
through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.